Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Bob Olson. He's the Chief Marketing Officer at Chief Outsiders. So thank you. Thank you, Bob, for uh, coming on the show. I'm excited to be here. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the podcast and, and uh, the work that you do. So I was honored that uh, you asked me to join you today. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. So taking a look at your background a bit, you started, it looks like, in the science side. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, I always had an interest in science and innovation. So getting into, uh, you know, materials company, pharma, chemicals, always, always interests me. A lot of good things to do with product development. But at heart, I'm a, I'm a marketer. So I, I started my career in field sales for a French pharmaceutical chemical company. And then continued both my interest in, in the commercial side, marketing, sales, but in science-based companies. I went on to Deloitte for about 10 years, helping other companies grow through better marketing and sales. And as a lot of us in consulting, I was hired by, by my client, DuPont, to found and then lead their corporate marketing group. And I did that for many years, eventually moved into their electronics business. Again, the, the science of, of uh, the electronics and particularly the photovoltaics was very interesting to me. So a lot of marketing challenges, a lot of technical challenge, innovation. So the science-based companies have always provided a, a really exciting venue for me to deploy a whole bunch of skills and and uh, keep keep going. And yeah. eventually I did move on from DuPont. I had a great opportunity to fill the role as chief marketing officer for a material science company called FXI, private equity owned company on material science. And so went into the chief marketing officer role. And again, both, you know, a lot of marketing, a lot of sales, but science-based, the uh, you know, polyurethane uh, products like bedding, medical devices, uh, we're, all, we're all part of that. So I got to see a lot of different challenges and, and work all over the world. A lot of time in China, a lot of time in India. It's been an exciting career and, and I'm happy to keep it, keep it going. <laughs> Very cool. So sales, marketing, science theme comes out. How did that come out in your early years? What were you like as a child? Were you the one selling stuff or doing experiments? How, how did that appear early on? Yeah, more as, you know, experiments and building things. So I had a, a chemistry set and I was an only child, so I had to keep myself busy. So I think I was always building things and taking things apart and putting them back together, radios or bikes or whatever, whatever it might be. And so I think I kept up with that thing, but also... I really enjoyed the, the the people side of things. I like to get out there and see different things and meet different companies. So when I left school, sales was a good way to do that. And, and in my undergraduate work, I really liked marketing. And frankly, I had a had a professor mentor that said, man, if you want to you want a good career in marketing, you got to start with sales. You got to know what it's like to knock on the door of a customer, have somebody say no, get rejected, solve problems. And so so that's what I did. And it was fun. So yeah, I think the science thing was a carryover from from my childhood, as you uh, as you as you pointed out. I was interested in space and chemistry and things of that nature. Interesting. If you want to be good at marketing, start in sales. Yes. Huh. Yes. I'm guessing you've passed that on to people. 
I, I do all, all the time. And it, you know, gives you, I think it does a couple of things. It gives you the experience of being in front of the customer and really trying to understand the value that you can bring and understand their needs. And also, you know, and, and I was a young guy in my twenties, you know, it gives you sort of a, a maturity from companies just, you know, saying, saying no, or being rejected and, and having the resiliency or the creativity to keep coming back at it. And it exposed me to a lot of companies. But also, I think one of the things that's really done for me throughout my career is give me a customer mindset. So for the next several decades, when I'm in, I'm in meetings, internal meetings in particular, I'm, I always have the customer in mind. So what is this going to mean for the, for the customer? Are we going to solve problems? Does it make it easy, easier for them? Does it make it harder for them? Are we easy to do business with? Are we not easy to do business with? So I've always had the the customer in mind from those early days. And I think it served me well and hopefully served the people that I've tried to help pretty well task. So progressing on, you went sales, marketing. Now, what did you do from there to develop your marketing skill? Because marketing, you can go in so many different directions. Mm -hmm. What happened from there? I think two things. Uh, early in my career, I got an MBA in marketing. So I got the basics, the, the, the classroom and a lot of that, frankly, still holds up today. I still think there's four P's of, of marketing, and, and I still focus on, on those things. And then when I was at DuPont, one of the my charters was to build or rebuild the marketing capabilities at DuPont. I think DuPont was known generation ago in the 50s and 60s, frankly, to be one of the strongest companies around for marketing. But I think over a, you know, a generation or two, they had sort of let that muscle atrophy. So so bringing those skills, those capabilities, those roles back to DuPont they helped me get reacquainted with marketing. And particularly what was happening at the time, Tats, was that digital was becoming more and more prevalent. And uh, like a lot of companies, DuPont, they had traditional marketers over, marketers over here and digital marketers over here. And what I tried to do is was really bring that together under the umbrella of there is no digital marketing. It's just is just marketing. And that's the way business gets done. So founding DuPont's first commercial digital strategy really allowed me to roll up my sleeves and get very close to the topic and help the individual businesses at DuPont go through their learning process and build their capabilities to become good and strong, not just marketers, but also really understand the, the digital side of, of doing business and how to integrate that with traditional sales and marketing skills. Yeah. Was that the main push within DuPont, the digital introduction, or were there other things you were tightening up as you got involved? There were a lot of things I think we, we were tightening up. You know, DuPont, a lot of their business went through various channels. So really strengthening the channel strategies and people's acumen around how to manage and design good channels. Pricing was a big bit. One of the, you know, one, as you know, one of the biggest levers a company has for profitability. So we did a lot of uh, not just training in pricing, but creating roles around pricing to really help the businesses. So, so really focusing on, on all the dimensions of marketing that were helpful for DuPont. Not everything is, is not all, all marketing capabilities needed for all businesses, but we sort of centered on the, on the few that were most important, product development, market insights, pricing, channel strategy, uh, and focused, uh, focused on that and, and made the organization much more open to embrace marketing. So creating career paths for marketers and, and making marketing a good place to either have part or all of your, all of your career. So, and then along the way, then we began to weave in 
digital and it was an education too. you know, the digital uh, helping the organization understand that digital was not just a, a B2C thing, that the B2B world was going to really rely on how uh, on digital to interact with our customers. That's how they get information. That's how they think. And I think we did a, we did a good job, I think, back in the day. DuPont is still working on all those things and still a pretty good company today. Very cool. One of the things about science-based companies is rolling out new innovations. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. How do you approach that? What are, what are the do's and don'ts around, you know, well, maybe identifying uh, areas and then rolling out these products? I think a few things, Tats. One of the things that I think is very important is, is of course, to have a, a formal process, a new product development process, a stage gate process. I think a lot of companies, particularly in the material science space, treat that rather informally. And, and what happens is, they tend not to sunset or kill projects in the pipeline. So everything is important. And so things move slowly. So I would say have a good, robust stage gate, new product development process with marketing involved throughout the process to bring the, the customer insights. So I think I've seen in, a, in many companies that the new product development takes place and is driven by the, the technology resources and they finish it and then try to hand it over to marketing to say, okay, go launch this. And marketing says, well, you know, it's not just about creating a nice little brochure for it. Is it, did we have market insights from the beginning? You know, what are the, what's the competition doing? How should we price this? And just as importantly is really understanding, you know, is that, is that window of opportunity still open? So things could take so long in the product development process by the time it gets, it gets launched that, you know, that opportunity may have, may have passed. So I think, having good market insights and marketing representation throughout the new product development process, not at the end, throwing it over the fence. So really having an integrated process, whoever leads it, leads the process. It could be a technical person. It could be a business person. As long as there's a good, robust stage gate process where you have functional roles represented from manufacturing, obviously technology, marketing, sales, and regulatory or whatever, whatever is really called for, for that particular product. And a lot of voice of the customer throughout. Absolutely. I noticed one of the articles you you wrote was talking about marketing. And it's probably going to come back to partially insights as well, but and execution and ex, you know, perceived execution challenges. And I thought that was really interesting. Can you walk me through that concept? You have, I think you've encountered this many times. Yes. I think often, especially in the in the work that I do now. So as you know, I'm a fractional chief marketing officer helping you know, smaller and mid-sized companies. And often my phone rings and it's the it's the CEO of a of a company or he was the founder or she was the founder of a company and and growth is stalled or they've hit a plateau. And and more often than not, they'll say, Well, we need help with our marketing because our campaigns aren't working or we're not getting the leads we need. So there's something wrong with the way we're executing. And quite often, I find that yeah, the marketing is is okay. It's being run well. They have good people, but it's the it's the steps prior to that 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 need some help. So so I look at it, you know, sort of in three steps. There's the insights. You know, who do we serve, and and what do, what do they need? Then strategy. You know, clear, compelling purpose and direction on who we serve, and then execution. The resources, metrics, tactics. So very often, you know, I'll back, try to back up the CEO, or if they're a client, back up the client to ask them the questions to feed the execution. So do they have a strategy? 
A lot of times the answer is, is no, they have an idea, we wanna go after this market, but are they really focused on, you know, what are, the, what are the needs of that market? What's the right positioning? What's the right offering? And specifically, you know, the what, what target segment? And then backing up from there, the whole thing is fed with good insights. And I think too often, Tad's companies, especially smaller companies that are close to the market, fall into the trap of, of getting comfortable thinking that they know what their customer thinks instead of getting out there and really finding out for sure what does their customer think about them? What does the customer think about the competitor? How do we compare to our competitors? So in that insight step, really drilling into competition, really drilling into the customer needs, right? And then also the company, right? Your own employees and the culture. Do the employees understand what the strategy is, what their role is, and what's the culture like, right? You know, you're familiar with the expression that I'm a big believer in that culture eats strategy for breakfast. If it's an unclear or, or, or bad culture, the strategy and the execution are going to be fighting an uphill battle the, uh, the entire way. So getting those pieces and understanding those up front in some type of deliberate way, feeding the strategy, I think can go a big, big way to better execution. And in fact, you know, companies can save money and do more with less in the execution phase of, of their work. Yeah. I mean, can you give me an example that you could you're able to share whether it's a company that you work with or your company you've seen where you've seen some very compelling strategy being pursued yeah i think in terms of the, the compelling strategy i think a, a one particular company comes comes to mind that was a uh, it's outside of the materials area but it was it so it was a professional services company right and they were trying to to grow in, in their marketplace and when when I first uh, had a discussion with them, they had no sort of focus on their market segment. So let's be all things to all people. And that, you know, sort of a mask market without really fine tuning their offering to align with the individual segments ended up having them get very frustrated and spending money where, where they didn't need to, as an example. So one of the things they eventually did was, you know, basic marketing 101, still the stuff, you know, we all learned in business school 100 years ago, but it's still important today. They really segmented their market. So they took the market apart, identified all the segments that existed and began to sort of assess the, the merits of each of those segments, how their product fit with those segments, the profitability of those segments, sort of did a a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats on each of those segments, the, where the competition is strong, where the opportunities are, where they could survive, and what was most attractive to them. And so it was through that that they identified two main segments for themselves and began to build a new offering around that. And they've become very successful in, in doing that and changed a little bit of their, of their business model and expanded the kinds of services they offer their professional services firm focused on the HR community and really expanded their, their offering to include coaching, leadership development, in addition to sort of the executive search work that they had already done. Yeah, oh, very cool. Now, I know in marketing roles, you know, when they're smaller, they have higher tactical components to it or more hands-on components as you become a larger organization, it becomes more of a resource allocator or an internal investment type kind of role. And when you get to the higher levels, what sort of guidance can you get people that are kind of transitioning to role where they were more hands-on with it and they become less hands-on and become more of a investor of resources and, and stuff like that? 
Sure, sure. Yeah, I've I've I've, I've been through that myself. I, I a few things. I think number one is you know, don't lose touch with the market. So we talked about having that customer mindset. So you know, still find time to you know get out there with the customer, so you're hearing those things directly. So when you're when you are back in those meetings and maybe a little hand hands off from the the tactical work that one used to do, you still can represent the customer and have a, and have a feel for that. So I say that's that's a giant one. And then keep in mind that you know marketing isn't always done by marketers. So there's the activity of of the that encompasses marketing, whether it's customer insights or or, or pricing or product development. And so I think taking a a broad lens in the organization and knowing that, well, a business manager might have some of the marketing responsibility or a sales leader might have some of the marketing responsibility or a market research person. So, so being open to look across the organization, recognize that marketing might get done in different areas. There's an old expression, marketing is too important to be done by the marketing department. Right? So, <laughs> so, you know, engaging the organization and helping the organization understand what marketing is. So if it's a small company and you have two or three of you, you know, you've got to cover it. But once you get to, you know, a company that's several hundred million or several billion, you find that there's different impressions of what marketing is. So there's an education point that one needs to do as a as a senior marketer helping, you know, I've, I've been in companies, science companies where, where I'll get there and I'll ask around and, you know, okay, what's your view of marketing? And I think marketing is developing brochures and going to trade shows. And I mean, that's very, that's a very real perception in the material science. And so, so there's, there's ways to then, you know, educate the, the leadership and have that cascade out to the company and, and help them understand the value of marketing and, and, you know, enroll, uh, you know, community within your organization to help, you know, understand and drive, drive marketing and, and helping them understand how having those capabilities in the end are going to drive growth. Yeah, makes sense. So when you're not in your marketing role and working away, I mean, do you do you have hobbies or things you like to do? I do, I do, I do. I I, uh, I tend to do outdoor stuff like this time of year. Uh, uh, the weather in the Northeast is turning nice, so I'll do a little do a little gardening. I'm a scuba diver, so I'm excited to do some of that. I'm uh, I'm a sailor, as you might see the picture behind me. So. I, I try to tell them I've got uh, three three kids in their twenties, and I and I try to tell them that the more time they can spend on in or under the water uh, will be good good for their soul. So I try, tried to try, teach them how to sail and scuba dive and and do those things. So yeah, and on a related note, spending time with my kids, they're, they're all moving on to the next stages in life, and it's exciting to see uh, to see them move into to their careers and and do exciting things. So. I'm uh, trying to help them along along the way as well. Awesome! I did a little bit of sailing on a, on those small, mostly on those small boats, uh, lasers. What type of boats were you sailing? Yeah, so I started very much like uh, like you. My you know my dad taught me how to sail on a you know twelve foot sunfish when I when I was sunfish. a kid. But then you know I've been fortunate enough to have friends with uh, uh, sailboats that are like thirty uh, five ish feet that I've kind of learned there. And then as I continue to get the the buzz, I, I took my kids and we went to Annapolis for a week and and did our uh, basic keel boat certification on the on the J boats they have. And last year, right before the COVID, finally convinced my wife to join us. 
and we uh, we we charted a catamaran in the the BVIs, British Virgin Islands, and had a great, wow. great time. So I hope to return. I hope to return to that. So and it's a good way to get out and sort of recharge the batteries and and get away from the computer a little bit and hopefully get some uh, inspiration that and, and uh, you know help me along the way back to back to work as well. So it's it's been it's been a fun thing to do. Awesome. Um, Bob, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to cover or talk about? I think we, we covered a, a fair amount. And I think it's just, you know, just in summary, maybe, you know, it's the, you kind of pulled it out of me, the customer orientation, super critical. And then really coming back to those, getting those market insights, right? Around the, the customer, right? Don't, don't fall into the trap of thinking, you know, go ask them. There's a lot of ways and not a, you know, you can do it in very cost-effective ways to go get that customer voice, voice of the customer. Same thing on the competitors. Ask, you know, ask what your customers think of the competitors. Try to try to game plan a little bit, right? What's the customer's growth strategy? What's impacting the competitors, their profitability, right? If the competitors knew your strategy, you know, how would they change? Ask yourself all those questions and then, and then turn that insight engine into, into your own company. Right, whether it's focus groups or surveys, and ask what people think. Do they really know what the strategy is? Do they know how their role helps the helps the company? And I, I'm a firm believer that you really can't have great customer satisfaction until you have great employee satisfaction. So that's another yeah. another key takeaway. Great summary. Thank you so much, Bob. You're welcome. This was this was fun, and uh, thanks for all the great work you do. As I said early on, I'm a, I'm a fan, and I I, I watch your uh, podcast and follow along. So I appreciate all the great work uh, you do for the building area and, and material science. I think it's a it's a great add to the industry. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash tats talks for video of today's podcast hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com